Welcome, everybody. You are on PRSA Silicon Valley's Friday Forum. It is our 70th forum. I can't even believe it. I am so happy to see all of you wherever you are joining us. My name is Vanessa Yanez. I'm the president of PRSA Silicon Valley. And you're saying to yourself, what is PRSA Silicon Valley, the Public Relations Society of America's Welcome Friday everybody. Forum? And I'm on in two places. <laughs> uh, that's how excited I am about today's show. So um, you are on the industry's team meeting. If you are here, tell us where you are in the chat. I'm seeing people like Jasmine Eusebio. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so happy to see all of you. And we are really looking forward to our conversation today. But before we get right into it. We want to make sure that you're clear on what Friday Forum is. This is a place where you come to learn, you come to teach. Hey, Jerry, thank you for joining us. It is so good to see you. Um, and we absolutely want to make sure that this is a place where you meet people who are making a difference in the profession of public relations. We've been doing this, I cannot believe it, since 2020. We have done 70 of these. This is number 70. And I am so proud of the work that we have done so far. And if you'd like, we have so many podcasts, so many recordings. You can just dig in and get into so many different subjects. We've had so many people over the last couple of years. Um, but if you're joining us for the first time, this is all about insights. This is news you can use. And today really is no exception. We are going to learn so much about what it takes you know the brief? This is part and parcel to our job. Brief this person, brief that person, know the brief. Well, the most important person that needs to know the brief is you. And this is what today is about. If you're considering making your next career move, no matter where you are in your career, you got to know current, specific, personal information about fields that probably you can't find online. Where are you going to get it? You're going to get it from the network. So if you are looking at a new career, a new career path, new opportunities where you are now, this conversation is for you. I am super excited because I want to introduce to you David Vosbrink. Do we have David, Paul? Uh, no David at this point. Okay. <laughs> what we're going to do is uh, we're gonna bring our speakers to you now. Um, today, we have Judy Garcia with us. She's a career counselor at San Jose State University in the Career Center there. For the past four years, Judy's focused on helping university students navigate the challenging road from college to career. And prior to joining San Jose State, she was a long-term career advisor for Nova Job Center in Sunnyvale, that's in California here where she guided mid-career job seekers looking for new opportunities. She has a deep knowledge about professional networking, finding hidden job leads, I wanna hear more about that, and improving interview skills and strategies. And before I forget, uh, Paul, let's bring Judy up right now, if we could. And also, don't forget, link in with everybody here. Hi, Judy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, happy to be here. We're really Looking glad you're here this. with us today. Excellent, excellent. Um, and please share this info with your networks. All right, so we're gonna keep on going here. Sean Fletcher is also with us. Sean Fletcher, PhD, is at the School of Journalism and Mass Communications at San Jose State University. He is, Dr. Fletcher is assistant professor, professor of public relations and sport communications at San Jose State University. Prior to joining San Jose State, Sean led the internal comms team at Apple for the retail learning and development organization where he provided overall strategic communications and marketing plans development. And while he was at Apple, he also consulted and mentored for the company's partnership with the Thurgood Marshall College Fund that brings students from historically black colleges and universities to Apple for an immersive apprenticeship experience. Sean is also a principal consultant. Are you guys tracking? This is like multiverse stuff that you're doing, Sean. <laughs> it's not just like one job is not enough for you. Let's um, get an avatar. <laughs> <laughs> He's also principal consultant for Sean J. Fletcher Diversity Training and is a member Oh, 
Sean, you have to get more active here. We want you back on the board. <laughs> is an advisor for our board. So mm -hmm. we are so happy that you're with us today. And Paul, one more question for you. And Paul's our producer here. Paul, do we have David back with us? I'd love to introduce him too. No, he left the he left the stream. Ah, uh, this is what's happening in real life. Sometimes things come up, especially yeah. in the world of communications. Yeah. What we're here today is to talk about insights, making that next career move, and Thank you so much to our guests, Sean, Judy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. As always, thanks for, for doing it. These Friday forums are fantastic. So hopefully folks have their, their notepads and uh, we're making some connections. <laughs> That's right. Live, recorded, take notes. Uh, yeah. This is all important. So let's talk a little bit about what an informational interview is today. Like, what does that mean to you? And how is that different from a regular job interview? Judy, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so there is a difference. And um, I talk to so many students that are um, looking for jobs and internships. And as we start this year, um, here we are in the middle of February, um, we're really hearing from a lot of students that now want to find internships for the summer and they're getting ready to graduate the spring and looking for jobs. And we know it's a pretty robust job market right now. It's been for a while. And so that's really, really encouraging. So all the more reason to conduct informational interviews. So the difference is, is that it's about, it is a, a, a versus a job interview. So an informational interview is the opportunity to talk to someone, a professional in your field, uh, or that holds a job that you would love to have. Maybe it's your dream job somewhere. And um, ask questions about how they found their position, what made them, I guess we could back up like what they, how they decided to major in public relations or communications or whatever it is and what led them to where they are now. Um, a job interview is for a job. It is uh, very clearly a you're responding to a job posting somewhere, whether it's on LinkedIn or we use something called Handshake here at San Jose State, which is a student um, platform for job search. And it's very, very, they're very, very different. So I'm glad having this discussion today because um, Informational interviewing is is a challenge for a lot of students, and I'm hoping um, as we discuss this and um, our audience pitches in too that we'll get some really good information here. So, Sean, do you want to add anything about that? Yeah, just a, a little bit. And Judy, you did a fantastic job. And the resources that that you're going to provide later around the Career Center, they're invaluable. All right, not just for those who are are seniors or rising seniors, but industry professionals as well. These things are, are tried and true. But the, the only thing that I will add, even just from a strategic standpoint of those who are trying to network, an informational interview is far less intimidating than a job interview on the side of those you're trying to connect with. You're not asking them for anything except for their time and their expertise. And especially if you're a student, that is the time because a lot of industry pros have a soft spot for the next generation coming up. When you cross that stage and graduate, the dynamic changes instantly. You are a job seeker at that point. You do have your handout and the other side of the fence views it that way. I tell my students all the time, take advantage of this moment you're in, because when I was in the corporate space, I had a soft spot for those who were hungry to learn and were willing to do it for free, meaning an informate. They're just asking me for my time, my expertise. And, and who are we kidding? Especially comms folks. We like to talk. We like to talk about ourselves. <laughs> Lean into that. Lean into that. All right. Before it gets to a critical mass when you're looking for a job. It's totally different at that point. That's the only part that I would add. Judy Judy hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that could actually relate to literally everyone in the profession. Mm -hmm. I think that over time people, you know, when you burrow into a role, not that you've done this, Sean, clearly, because you have multiple businesses happening <laughs> at once, but you know, Sometimes people get disconnected from the network. Mm. 
So what do you do to get back in? Uh, I've heard, for example, that when you get a cold email or on LinkedIn, for example, or in any social network, a cold message, that, that just means that you don't know the person that you're writing. And you write that person and you say, I think you're amazing. I would love to talk to you for 15 minutes and pick your brain. I've heard so many people react negatively to that. What's your advice to people who are looking to connect with others that they haven't met before but admire greatly? Well, I would I would suggest, and, and Judy absolutely chime in as well, but from my vantage point, I would suggest having a plan. You'll hear that ad nauseum throughout our time together today is identify what your plan is. And I used to do this back in the olden days. I used to do this before we had the internet and all that stuff. When I was in, in the position of trying to break in to <laughs> industries, uh, my form of that would be, I would actually write things out. And then once we did start, it, start picking up on email and all of those things, I would, I would simply write a list of folks who were in areas I was interested in, like an actual list. And the beauty of the internet is that mo most of it is readily available on their bios. I'm not saying go to a paid service and pilfer somebody's info. That's not publicly accessible. On their bios, especially in PR, we post them for a reason. So when you find that, oftentimes I would just put that list together. I would have my plan for what I wanted out of it. If it was going to be something transactional, meaning I painted myself in the corner and didn't plan ahead and now I need an internship or now I want to make a, a career change or whatever it is. I had a list of those folks and I approached them differently. I had my proactive list of folks. I also had my list of folks that I was not necessarily the most qualified to go into that area. So self-scouting, we would call it, self-evaluation to know I'm not the big guy walking into the space saying I have the most credentials for this slot. The strategy had to be that meticulous because I had to know myself when I was walking into that space. I also needed to know myself so I could present myself correctly to those that I was I was about to ask for their time and expertise. And then some of it is, quite honestly, trial and error. And we'll get into the ways to, to, to enter into these conversations in a second. I don't want to step on that. But some of it was just simply having the courage to put yourself and your credentials and what you want and you knowing what you don't want and see who's out there reaching their hand back out to you. And oftentimes nobody reached back out to me, but there were those that did. And it started this snowball. You'll hear me say snowball a lot, this networking snowball <laughs> to where that one person who reached back out on my list and said, Hey, listen, Sean, we don't have an internship. We don't have a job available. We don't have any of that stuff. And I'm saying I'm not looking for that at this point. But they would say, I appreciated the dialogue. You're a nice guy because this is a people business. It's not just transactional. They A lot of times they want to like you before they extend their resources to you as well. And they kept me on the list. And if it was months later, even someone would reach out and say, hey, listen, this came across my desk. You're interested mm -hmm. in it? Show me your resume. This is back when it was paper. And we'll put it. That's where the cliche came from. We'll put it to the top. And that literally happened to me many times, even in my career change. When I when I led internal communication at Volkswagen Group of America, someone walked my resume literally up the steps and gave it to Tony Savone. I'll never forget it. He, he just retired as a CCO from General Motors and walked it up to him. They called me up. We had a conversation and I was able to show what I could do. But it started with this smaller snowball that ultimately became a bigger snowball. So it's not always going to be fantastic where you know everybody and you can network. Sometimes you really do have to walk into this blindly, but prepared. And then you see what happens. But there's a lot more to, to come that we can speak about. Well, it, so that's that's giving us the, I'll just use internet side of the story, right? Yeah. You've got to be, be in there, know who you're dealing with, do the research, mm -hmm. get ready. Judy, tell us how that works from a career center standpoint. How, you know, how do prospective uh, 
employees take full advantage of this, no matter no matter what, where you are in your life? Like, are, am I ready to make this move? Like, tell us more about how you, how the Career Center works. Yeah. So, what I do is I'm thinking, and it's primarily students who have no experience. Um, you know, some may, but most of them, most students have. So if they have work experience, it has nothing to do with their major. In most cases, um, they're working at Starbucks or they're working in some kind of office administration or customer service or something like that. All important skills, you know, definitely to get into PR and communications for sure. But what my advice is, as far as getting it going, I think it's good if they can think of people they already know that are working in the business or have something to do with it, friends or family, um, and maybe try doing informational interviewing first, you know, with people they're more comfortable with and getting some practice. And then I think once they do that, once they've talked to a few people, then I think it gets, it may get a little easier to approach people that you don't know. And in our case, at San Jose State, um, we encourage students to reach out to alumni that have majored in PR and comms and advertising and so on and connect with them. And we talk about how to do this through LinkedIn. And also they are referred to people through faculty and staff and other students. And so that's kind of the next step because they have in common, this is what they have in common. They're students at San Jose State and these are graduates from San Jose State. So they can say, I'm a student at San Jose State, and I'm interested in talking to you about this particular opportunity. And um, so that can go a long way. It really can. Okay. So I've been ref, ref, referred to someone, mm-hmm. and um, I'm about to meet with that person. Um, what, are you, what do you suggest in terms of that initial preparation for that first conversation? Yeah, so what I would do would be, so you've been referred to somebody, let's say in your department. And um, so, all right. So main thing, first thing, do your homework, right? So what we're going to advise a student do is learn about the individual as much as you can um, as far as what they do. Uh, My first go-to would be LinkedIn. I would be hoping I would find their um, LinkedIn and that. That's something we encourage all of our students to do. Some people don't have sense on LinkedIn. Not everybody does. So that makes it a little harder. So, but if they have a profile on LinkedIn, great. They can go in and learn about the individual, their background, how long they've been working at this particular company or in this role, and maybe a little bit about how they got there. Also their education, where they went to school, um, maybe some other information, maybe um, professional associations they belong to, or maybe even student orgs they were a part of when they were a student, things like that. If there isn't much information available, then I would ask your referral about that. Say, can you tell me something about this person and um, why would it be, you know, what maybe some suggestions for questions even to ask them if, if you're really sure. Uh, so the other thing is the preparation, doing your homework, but thinking about questions to ask. And We'll get into this um, more. The other thing is how much time um, what is this individual willing to take? And um, so we, we're trying to be mindful of that. And we're trying to help students to understand that um, to use this time wisely will be ultimately of great benefit to them. So that's an interesting point around time. Um, <laughs> When you're thinking of others' time and respecting others' time, I find in my own experience, I try to do things in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like expect, expect the little, you know, the shortest amount of time possible, but be grateful when you get a little bit more. How do you think? How do you both think about that in your experience? And and what's what's your advice to people as you're, especially when you're meeting someone for the first time? It just it just seems. Like you've got to address that in your mind. Like mm-hmm. this isn't an hour. This isn't 30 minutes. This is 15. What do you, what, what do you think the sweet spot is for these initial conversations? 
for for me for me it's it's always 15 minutes always um <clears throat> and depending on depending on the the level the person is within an organization i will even ratchet it down a bit and it, and it go it, it's sort of a, a take on you know the old business cliche of under promising over delivering I, I i try my very best to ask you for as little pot as possible and then my goal is is that once you're exposed to me and the conversation that i will bring and this is another this is another sort of social tip have confidence in what you're about to bring to the table too because that will rub off on those that you're coming into contact with i would prepare so much and and i mean entry level on into management in my career so this is not simply coming out of college i would prepare to where i felt that even if I asked for five or 10 minutes of your time to quickly chat that if your schedule allows, you'll give me 15, 20 or 30. I've had 15 minute requests turn into an hour and I would not have known that if I limited it myself. But a lot of times folks have more time available. You're not going to know that because they don't know how this is going to go. And once it goes well, they oftentimes, it's, it's simple sort of human relations. When we demystify this whole networking business, it's simple human relations. You are going to expand if you're able to and you feel things are going well. But before you know what's going to happen and how the dynamic is, is going and what the, the individual is bringing to the table, are they prepared? Are they underprepared? Are you, and this is I'm sure we all can attest to this, those who have been on the the sort of interviewee side of an informational interview, is oftentimes those who are underprepared sort of expect you to lead it. When they asked for it, they expect you to lead the meeting. And when you feel as though someone is prepared and they have and, and they're they're bringing their side of the bargain to this interview. Oftentimes, if I have time, I'll keep going. So I try to under promise and over deliver, even in the time that I'm asking. And then when you get your foot in the door, you wow them. You show them that you've done your work, that you're passionate about this business, that you understand how this works. And once they they realize that you know your stuff and you're serious about this, the sky's the limit where the, the networking may go after that. So let's say we're about to have our informational interview. I've done my research about you. We're about to get on the Zoom or, or the call, but let's, let's make sure this is visual. Uh, let's say we're getting into a Google Meet or a Zoom. What are the things I need to think about from my image perspective, the messages that I send from an image of when I'm meeting somebody for the first time? somebody that could potentially help me get into my next role. Judy, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so I'm speaking really from a student standpoint and I'm thinking we have, you know, students are, are uh, nervous and not sure how to go about doing this. And, you know, you've done your homework as best as you can and you hopefully um, you've got some questions ready to ask. And that's all you can really do. And then I think, um, you know, I'm thinking we've been virtual for two years, right? So um, we're so so far. I think we're you know we're doing a lot of this virtually as we start to transition into more in person. So you know, virtually again, I think it's just um, having a, you know having a good space that's quiet and comfortable as much as possible. That doesn't always work, especially for students. And I've seen, you know, I've talked to a lot of students and they're in with roommates and they're in their in housing or somewhere else where there's family or, you know, what have you. So they're trying to, you know, I, we try to encourage them as counselors to be as prepared as possible and um, look nice and be friendly and be smiling and all that. And then hopefully they're going to have some questions and engage in a conversation that is going to be worthwhile 
And again, you know, I, I'm getting back to something about like the 10, 15 minutes. I think that's about right. And I think it just depends on who you're talking to. I think they're getting back to what Sean said. I think there are individuals who may welcome the conversation and extend that time because they're really interested in what the student has to say. Or if the student, if they've kind of gotten to a point where there really isn't a whole lot more to talk about, they'll, you know, wrap it up. But in the end, you have the opportunity to make a connection. And if nothing comes of it immediately, then you can connect hopefully with this individual on LinkedIn and you never know. You just, you just never know what may come of it. And this person may say, you know, I don't have anything. Again, you're, you're conducting an informational interview, not a job interview, but the conversation may get to a point where the individual says, you know, um, we don't have any opportunity right now, but stay in touch. And maybe they'll even know somebody they can refute, which is even better, <laughs> which is, which is great. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just takes practice. And, and that's one thing we tell students is, um, you know, practice is good. And, um, but just the fact of making it happen and, and conducting these interviews um, is a good start. Well, on, on the subject of questions, um, you know, I've had some experiences over the years. Vanessa, really quick, before you transition oh, yeah. to that, can I add one point to it, especially yes, in please. this and sort of sort of adding on to what Judy mentioned in terms of presenting yourself? I don't think that 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 we can ignore this digital age that we live in and the footprint we leave behind. Um, we have a brand, even if you don't think you have a brand that I looked them up when someone asked me for an informational interview, I click and then guess what? You see Instagram, you may see Facebook, you may see Twitter, you may see, well, I'm older, so I don't see your TikTok and all that stuff. <laughs> How, however, you have a digital footprint and what does it look like? Does it represent who you want to be seen as? Because again, nothing is off limits in terms of viewership unless everything is private, okay? So what does your profile picture look like on LinkedIn versus on Twitter and on Instagram? Is your, is, are your eyes squinting and your tongue is sticking out, Molly Cyrus style? <laughs> I've seen that many times. Mm -hmm. And they're buttoned up on LinkedIn. Okay, what message is that sending? And again, be you, but understand the you that you're presenting. All right. Be you. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, fairly or unfairly in this digital age, what you present is not what it used to be in the analog days to where I could control what you saw more, more uh, readily. So what's your Twitter looking like? Is it speaking to the things that you want someone to see? And that's for informational interviews, but also job interviews that will come down the line. If your Instagram is 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 open, should it be open? Should it be private? All right. Because are you putting things out there for public consumption or are you just leaving open an account that has your private stuff on it that people shouldn't see? Lock it if that's the case. All right. Nobody is going to say you're hiding something that's normal. But things that are public. Are you putting are you reposting things about the business? Are you reposting articles on your LinkedIn page and writing a little bit about them? Are you staying up and showing that you care about this business? And that's this is for seasoned pros as well. Mm -hmm. What does your total digital imprint show about you? Because we see it. And even some things that are seem seemingly private. Google has a way of of tracking things, especially profile pictures, if you Google someone, that's the first thing that's going to pop up. Or even if they're pixelated and granulated, your Miami Beach profile picture is going to pop up. Go through. I tell students all the time, it's not just your resume that speaks for you anymore. It is everything that is on your digital footprint that folks have access to. Be mindful of that. Understand that it's not just you that's presenting, it's everything about you that's circulating in this digital space. That is a gift, potentially, if you use it correctly, but also a silent detriment if you're not cognizant 
that those things are out there. So just one, sorry, wanted to add that part. That's an important point. Um, just like this conversation will live forever. <laughs> it is going to be on the internet forever. Whatever you do, we'll follow you. So absolutely makes sense. And those that are in the chat with us, please do get your questions ready. We want to hear from you as well. Um, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about, okay, I'm feeling good about my digital footprint. I have my informational interview. I'm in the conversation. I have 10 minutes. Now, what I've experienced over the years is that people expect an ask, even in an informational interview, some kind of ask. And if you don't ask, you are wasting an opportunity. But you also want to be careful about the kind of ask that you make. So as you're learning about something that could potentially change your life and be amazing, what small things or seemingly small things could you potentially be asking somebody uh, in one of these interviews. Would you have any advice for our community? Judy, you want to take this first? Yeah, I'm thinking about that because we're talking about an informational interview, which is not a job interview. Mm -hmm. But I think that depending on who you talk to and how, and how the conversation goes. I think if there's an opening and this individual says, um, oh, we're going to be looking for some interns this summer or um, we're hiring, we're going to be hiring in a few months. I would, if as a student, I would take full advantage of that and say, well, tell me more. I'm really, you know, I'm really interested. So I think it has to do with how the conversation goes. And I, so I guess what I'm saying is I think an informational interview can certainly turn into a job interview. It probably does happen and it just depends on how it's going. And if it does great, you know, great, because um, if there's engagement and um, everything's going really well, then here's an opportunity for a student to learn about opportunities and, and, uh, ultimately send their resume or they will be looked at on LinkedIn. And so I, it's one of those things that could very, could happen very randomly and it's not planned um, in the conversation, but I'm sure it happens and that's great. And any students who uh, get that opportunity, fantastic. That's, that's, uh, that's the best thing that could possibly happen. Sean? I would I would go into it. Um, you're going to in an informational interview, you're going to test your your flexibility, your communicative flexibility. Read the space. All right. If if I'm in an informational interview and I log on with Vanessa or Judy and they are stoned faced looking at their watches, <laughs> skip through. Skip through your pleasantry questions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Read the space. Read the space. Cut to the chase. Now it's become transactional. Okay. It's no longer an open-ended, you could lead into your softer questions to break the ice and then get into the call to action. Cut to the chase. All right. I, one one question that I I, I love to, to ask folks um, is not what would you do if you were me? I like to to have them kind of do a, this is your life. If, if knowing what you know now, what would the, and whatever your age is, 19, 20, whatever it is, what would you tell the 20 year old you back then? Would it be to take a, a, to major in this or minor in this or augment it or join PRSSA? Or start plugging into PRSA more, or maybe the ad club, because you see some of those Marcom uh, blendings happening in your career. What would you have told that person? All right. Would it have been to explore more options because you see that the, the boundaries within the job descriptions are more fluid than they used to be? I like to ask them that and just let them let them talk. All right. And then while they're talking, pay attention, but have your next question in mind. All right. 
um, uh, the worst thing you could do is have dead silence after a person stops. Okay. But going towards your ultimate end game, that's what Judy and I were talking about of having a strategy. Let your questions lead up to your call to action, even if it's not going to be, hey, do you guys have any internships available or or any entry level jobs coming up? Don't ask that in an informational interview. okay? but asking if they wouldn't mind keeping you in the loop if something comes across their desk. Same outcome, different way of asking it. All right. Especially if the interview is going well, the informational interview is going well. But even if your end game and call to action is simply to get another meeting at some point, that used to be my call to action. Long game, long game, play the long game. All right. Unless, again, like I said, I painted myself in a corner and I got to get an internship or I need a job. (laughs) I I don't have time for the long game at that point. I need to, to, to make it happen. But if you're playing for the long game, Ask them some things about their their career. And what I would do is, if I were you, post something on LinkedIn or something, an article that that's written about them or about the field they're in. And then tell them like, hey, I, I posted this article on LinkedIn and I pulled out this little excerpt. This is going on in, you know, augmented reality seems to be growing in, in Marcom. What do you think about that? Because I'm thinking about taking an AR VR class. What do you think about that? Set it up to where you're 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 setting up all of these dominoes and knocking them down at one one question. You're showing them you're plugged into the field. You're showing them you know about what they're doing, and you also are showing that you're on the cusp of innovation within the field. All right. And then you're also telling them that you're somewhat leading the charge if you've posted this on LinkedIn, especially as a student, but even as a seasoned professional, because a lot of people aren't doing it. Okay, you're showing that you're standing out. And then you say the floor is yours and you let them do what we just said. Cons people like to do talk and talk about themselves. (laughs) I would have loaded questions. That's all within one. And when they feel good, a lot of times they'll just keep going. Mm-hmm. All right. So I would have that. And if you're if you're painted into a corner and you need an internship, yes, narrow the scope. Absolutely narrow the scope. All right. Ask them, is there is there anyone that they would recommend reaching out to to be kept in the loop, not to give me an internship to be kept in the loop? All right. Because it's getting to that point And I love what you're doing. I'm so fascinated by what you're telling me. Pour flowers on this person. Please do. All right. <laughs> I'm excited about what you, what I heard, what you're doing. It's something that's just kind of igniting this fire into me to keep moving forward. I want to make sure I'm prepared for it. And then ask them for it. But make sure that there's a plan and execute that strategy throughout the whole talk. Mm-hmm. That's how these things normally go successfully. I can tell when someone has a plan when they enter an informational conversation with me or when they're just freestyling it. And you don't want to speak about it. You really, you really don't. Even those who are, you know, have the gift of gab, they're just kind of like, uh, and uh, yeah, um, great, 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 great point. Like, well, what's the next question? Have a plan. All right. Have a plan and execute it. Well, let's let's pull the thread on mistakes. Oh. So what kind of mistakes have you seen? There's one example you just gave us. It is. It is. (laughs) And we've all been there. I mean, like, I think that's also another thing that you will be memorable if you make a mistake. Um, It may, in some cases, work in your favor. So don't be disheartened. But let's talk a little bit about mistakes and and what people do and, and how to recover during one of these interviews. Wow. That's a good one. Um, Again, I'm not privy to, I wish I could, sometimes I wish I could be a fly on the wall and listen to students interview. Um, But I'm sure that with these informational interviews, I'm sure there are students that flat out ask job. I'm sure it happens. Um, They get excited and say, you know, this sounds great. 
Uh, I would love to work for your company. <laughs> Do you have anything? Um, can I can I can I show you my resume? You know, things like that. I'm sure it happens. And again, I think with students, they're just not used to this. They're they're this is a learning experience for them. And um, but that's the main thing that probably happens is that they 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 get confident or they don't really have a true sense of understanding the conversation. And this takes experience. Um, so I'm thinking about the seasoned professionals in the room and all those who, who, who know this better, but with students who are just starting out, um, yeah, I'm sure some of them get excited and ask about jobs and, um, and if something doesn't happen, this is why it's, we have counseling appointments available and, and they can come to the career center and, and they can say, you know, I, a student can say, I had this interview, but it didn't work out. And then I'll say, so tell me about what happened and how can we, what can we do about that? Or how can we learn, what can we learn for the next ones, you know, going forward? So I think with students, it's, it's something that takes um, practice and maybe a few of these interviews to get a better sense of, of where this can go. Well, in the chat, I'm seeing Jerry comment on uh, grammar being a big deal. Um, that for sure, in, in the profession of communications, uh, people care. Um, Sean, tell us a little bit about your experience with that. And uh, if you have uh, any advice, you know, how do, how do people, it's all a part of your image, right? Um, what's your take? In terms of preparation or in terms of? Well, maybe maybe you say something incorrectly in an interview, maybe and maybe you don't even know and someone yeah. corrects you. How do you recover from something like that? I think it, I think a lot of it, again, is all a part of, and as Judy mentioned, prepare, practice. Mm -hmm. I used to practice in the mirror, all right? Mm -hmm. Practice with a friend, practice with a professor, go figure. Um, they may be willing to go to the career center if you're on campus. Uh, if you are a seasoned professional, again, um, and, and you know, I, I walked that journey as well. You know, check check the, the, the arrogance at the door and ask somebody if you're good at it. Ask somebody to mock and mimic sort of this this um, informational interview with you so you can have that flexibility to where, number one, you can think on your toes because you'll have a script even if you're prepared. But what if I counter that? Are you ready for it? What if I countered that and said, you know what? We will have a couple of internships come up. And I pivot this from an informational interview to kind of a quasi job interview. And I ask you about yourself. Tell me, tell me, tell me why you think you're qualified for mm -hmm. this. Uh, what are you going to say? OK, that's one of the number one stumpers for seasoned vets and and. Uh, entry level folks alike is when I say, tell me about yourself. Most people don't know where to start because they've never practiced it. They don't know whether do I start with way back in the uh, cold winter of 1980, I was born or do, do I start <laughs> with my high school? Cause I'm in college. Do I start with college? Cause what do I start with? Mm -hmm. Practicing that to even be able to answer the, the fluid questions that come your way and one thing, again, I, I, I say this all the time, and this goes to just kind of general communication and public speaking, is um, have some humility to be able to laugh at yourself a bit and do not go in areas that you're you're not well versed on. Don't pretend it will show. That's why you're reaching out to these folks, because they know. Do not pretend you know a lot about a topic. And then when I go there with you and ask you a deeper question on it, you have no way to respond. Don't pretend. All right. That happens far too often that you feel you have to put on a facade to show that you're more seasoned than what you are. You're, you're not. Be who you are and be transparent about that. All right. In a strategic way that doesn't show that you shouldn't even really be having this conversation with me. But at the same time, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Again, self self scouting. And when you get in those conversations, if something comes up that you're not prepared for, be comfortable to say, "Great, that's a great question. That's something I need to give more thought to." Um, I and then sometimes turn it back on the pro because that's what you're here for to learn. 
ask them. Like, you know, that's something I need to give certainly more more thought to. But, you know, what what's your take? What's your take on this? What's your take on on that? I'd love to get a little bit more insight as I'm trying to learn more about it. Be be fluid on your feet. Never get caught flat footed. And oftentimes you get caught flat footed when you have a rigid plan that doesn't allow for any ad living. And in a conversation, it's not robotic. It's not going to go according to plan all the time. And sometimes people are going to throw a curveball at you. And if you're stuck with your rigid script, that's usually when, especially inexperienced mm-hmm. individuals, they fall apart. And then it gets weird. It gets awkward. And now you're apologizing. And now all of this sort of pressure starts to mount on you. And now it's not a good experience for mainly you. All right. So having that flexibility and when you make a mistake, when you've built that environment and that that sort of dynamic of flexibility, sometimes you could just laugh at yourself and that's okay. That's a trait that a lot of job employers want as well. I would actually like to add something to this because this is crossing now as we're talking about this. So something that really helps and it is a, the professional thing to do. So I think after, um, we haven't really talked about this yet, but I interview, um, however it goes, um, awkward or you hear about opportunities. Um, so something that we really encourage students to do is send a thank you email after the interview and thank the individual or people for taking the time to talk with you. And if, you know, great, you can say something like, I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to hearing about your opportunities. Um, Please let me know if you have any other questions like that. If the informational interview doesn't go so well or in getting back to like you make mistakes and things like that, a note and a thank you gives you a chance to reflect on that a little bit and maybe say, um, you could say, you know, I, I wish I, I could have been a little more prepared. I appreciate your feedback. Um, I learned a lot from talking to you. That can go a long way as well. And I think sometimes in an interview, someone could like change, I don't mean change their mind, but maybe they'll say, well, this is the student took the professional high road, did a really professional thing. And, um, you know, I can't stress, I can't stress enough the importance of thank you, a thank you um, to wrap up or or after your interview, any interview, uh, job interview or informational interview, that can really go a long way. And it's, you know, maybe very old school, but it's something that we talk about a lot and we encourage our students to do. And I will tell you that I have heard of students getting jobs as a result of that one effort of taking that effort to send a letter or note. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've learned a lot. So I really want to be sure I I wanted to make sure I added that to this conversation because I think that's, and it doesn't matter what point in your career you are. I have to build on that. Um, I have saved almost all of my thank yous, especially coming from interns and up and coming pros, because I do not want to forget those people. Mm -hmm. They took the time and those are the same people that will dedicate to whatever the mission will be in the future. We do not forget. And life is long. Um, And on the subject of thank you and how people feel, I want to make sure we're uh, bringing in some of the comments we're seeing um, on the screen here. We have a few minutes left. This is really important. And thank you to Adriana Gonzalez for being vulnerable and talking about what's going on with you. This is, this must have, this couldn't have been easy to write, but just know we appreciate you for sharing your experience. I feel, and I'm going to quote here, I feel insecure talking to professionals since I do not have many skills, but not in PR outside of San Jose State JMC course. And she continues by saying, as an expecting graduate, expecting graduating senior in May, working full time and attending San Jose State full time, I found myself conflicted by not being able to take internships. 
can I react to this? Please do. Okay. Yes. And then um, um, give the floor to you after this. But as a as someone who came out of school at a time when the economy was not awesome and there were no jobs, yep. I was in a very similar position and had to work. I worked. I did not do as many. I did. I did one internship in college, and it was tangential to where I ultimately landed in the future. Work ethic counts. Sticking to it and finishing what you start counts. Being in this conversation counts. Do not discount yourself for those things. Just make sure you stay in the game. So that's just for me, somebody who's in the industry. And we want to make sure that, Adriana, that your experience is a good one. And we want you to have a career that is the one you want. So, Sean, Judy, over to you. Judy, you want to take it first? Sure. Yes. So this, I'm really, um, I'm glad to hear this because it's a common conversation I have and, this, and students, um, I mean, again, especially these last couple of years, students have not been able to find internships 2020, literally last year, a lot better this year, even better, I think. So what I want to say about this is, um, our counseling team, we talk about students that have not been able to um, get an internship for many reasons, full-time school, full-time work, other issues, health issues, whatever. And so what we do is, what I will do is I'll look at, I'll find out what the student, you know, what kind of work you're looking for, what kind of careers are you thinking about? And let's look at some, and let's see, number one, what you're interested in and what are the qualifications? You know, what are they looking for in terms of your degree, your skills, all that. And what we do for resumes is I'm going to um, talk with the student and say, okay, let's, if you didn't get an internship, then let's talk about the projects you were able to accomplish as part of your semester projects in your courses. In, in your PR courses or communications. And that's the next best thing. That's why semester projects are so important. And um, because we know a lot of students don't get an internship or don't get any experience. So with if they can highlight the projects they've done over the course of, say, maybe the last couple of years of their education, um, and we can, I can coach them and say, okay, let's talk about this project and what did you do and how many people in your team and what tools did you use? Um, so that's part of it. Um, let's say you did some volunteering. Let's say you've been involved in your community. Other, so there are other ways of other things to fill in for an internship that may be equally, if not more valuable towards your career. And so this is the kind of advice that I give students. Let's talk about other things that you've done that may be very much relevant to what you want to do. And um, because we know a lot of students aren't able to complete internships and that, but that doesn't mean they can't find a great job. So that's what we do. So, so I'll, I'll kind of take this from a specific standpoint, but also sort of zoom out generally, specifically because uh, Adriana is one of my former students. So I don't see this the way that she sees it in terms of qualifications. She's more qualified than I was in this in this uh, stage in, in my career and tenure in education. Um, one thing that I, I will say, and this applies to, to both Adriana, but also to similar folks in a similar position, feeling either insecure or underprepared, especially moving into an informational conversation. Much to, to, to Judy's point, um, when you're in an entry level competitive position, going after those roles, don't be sort of shrouded or, or misled by looking at more seasoned job descriptions that want specific industry skills. Adriana and many people who have her work ethic, who are out here listening, don't discount some of the things that you've done that's on your ledger and on your dossier that's going to speak volumes to your capabilities of serving well in this role. Anybody who's out there looking for to fill an entry level full-time position, 
Adriana is at a stage to jump over internships. She's prepared for an entry level role. And there are many, and, and I don't sp- I speak this in, a, in as unbiased of a way as I possibly can. When I do say she and others like her in that position of simply showing up. And when I say show up, Adriana shows up for every opportunity that's available, even today. PRSSA meetings, workshops. These are things that are going to, if you position yourself correctly and you're listening to the things that we're sharing of how to frame your brand to a potential employer, you're going to speak volumes about what you're bringing to the table. Now it's a matter of if you see yourself that way, because anybody who's reading that will see that Adriana and many others are very qualified because they're exposed to all of this. They're doing agency work. They're chipping in in class projects. They're doing all of these things. But if you don't see it as valuable and you don't position it to be marketable, then a lot of other folks who are on the other side of that table won't either. I'm saying from being on both sides of the table, everything that I know of Adriana and other students with her similar portfolio you have a tremendous amount that makes you competitive in this entry level marketplace. Do not put the cart before the horse and start comparing yourselves to third and fourth and five year seasoned veterans, because what we look for in them is different than what we're looking for in entry level positions. Mm-hmm. All right. And I would say prepare yourself accordingly when you move into an informational interview. Self scout, know your blind spots, know what you're strong at. And always position yourself that way when you move into them. That way you're not caught off guard. And that way you're able to augment those things through an informational interview. Because that's also another learning tool is an informational interview, not unlike classes, not unlike workshops and seminars. All right. So continue to move forward, but take more confidence in what it is that you bring to the table because it's a lot. Well said. That's so true. (laughs) It's so true. And, and I want to, you know, we just have a couple minutes left and I want to end this on a high note. I, you know, as president of PRSA Silicon Valley, I think we met with, I think 11 agencies yesterday that are actively recruiting. We have the pool. If you need to get connected, connect with us now. We will help in the best way we possibly can. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody is aware of this. There are people who are looking for you just like you are looking for them. We will help make those connections as best as we can. So in the two minutes we have left, top piece of advice for those looking to do informational interviews, what's the number one thing people need to think about? Judy, we'll start with you. First of all, do them. (laughs) Do informational interviews. It's something that um, I know a lot of students don't think about. Um, they're more thinking about the job interview, right? So I think we've shared a lot of good information this morning and I want to just encourage the students out there and those that will watch this to really think about doing informational interviews. Come, if you're a student at San Jose State, come to me or any of us to help you with that and to help you find, uh, if you don't know anybody in your field, we can connect you or, or figure out how to make that happen. Um, that's what our career center is for. And again, it can be such a great learning experience. I think it can also give a student confidence in job interviewing once you've done some informational interviewing. So the more, you, the more of those I think that you do, that students can do, I think that will give you, that can give the confidence that's needed to um, proceed with that. And I am, so glad to hear there are opportunities out there. And that's one of the reasons I've been also dialing into these Friday forums. Um, so that's the other thing I guess I would tell students right now. My other piece of advice is attend these. You know, I, I've been passing the word on for some time to PRSSA. Check out these Friday forums. I've been viewing them over the last couple of years. They are just incredibly invaluable um, for my work as well. So I want to thank you for that. Good to hear, Sean. Mm-hmm. I would I would simply go back to um, 
having a plan and a strategy. And that allows for you to put everything in its proper perspective. An informational interview is simply a piece of a bigger puzzle. Don't make it the puzzle. There's too much pressure that you put on it. There's too much pressure you put on yourself and the person and the people you're reaching out to. Look at it as a piece of the overall strategic puzzle that you've made for your plan, meaning you have to know what you want at the end of this. And you have to know even the timeline that you're giving yourself to do it. And if an informational interview is simply to start the networking ball rolling, do not make it more than that. Inform and function. Do not put stress on yourself or the person that you're asking for their time. Mm -hmm. And then once you're done with that informational interview, you will have filled that piece of the puzzle. And then you move to the next step of your puzzle, whether that be more informational interviews or now you've snowballed some other contacts that may be leads to something. And then you fill that piece of your strategic puzzle. But what always gives me clarity and puts me at, at mental ease is knowing that I have a plan and I know where everything fits. Even if the puzzle ends, the puzzle piece ends up being bigger than I thought it was going to be because Vanessa actually offers me something or she tells me that there's a lead on an internship. I wasn't expecting that coming into it. The puzzle piece expanded a bit, but it can never have a place if you don't create the puzzle. If you don't create it, you have to do your work and people like Judy and her colleagues at the Career Center, people like myself who are trying to, from a classroom academic perspective, but also we did this stuff too. You can pick our brains, seasoned professionals like those who are in this room, people like Vanessa who clearly shows that she has a heart for this type of work, not denying yourself the opportunity to plug into them as well and let them plug into you. And all that does is add more pieces to your puzzle. Do not make a piece the whole puzzle. And we're just pieces in it. I always say that. You position us where you need us to be. It's not our job to position ourselves. You position us on your puzzle. That will put you at ease. It will give you clarity and it will tell you what your next move needs to be. Well, on that note, thank you, Dr. Sean Fletcher, Judy Garcia. It's thank been a you. pleasure to host you. And you. we have so much good content. I'm so glad it's going to live on. Podcast, find us again, watch us again. It is all here for you. Paul, let's bring up what we've got coming up because we do have a plan for the next few weeks. Want to make sure that uh, you guys are tracking along. Thank you so much. We've got a lot happening and we love exclamation points. So we are going to start there Friday, March 11th. You're going to hear more about specific agencies. We've got Arthi Shaw and Curtis Sparrer. His team is going to be talking about hot agencies, what's going on in agency growth, jobs, et cetera, more on jobs. Friday, March 18th, mark your calendars, job hunting strategy, more of that, a little bit more uh, deep dive into resources and support. Jasmine Eusebio, who is on this call today, always on Friday Forum as well. Get in the chat, talk to us, and Jasmine is there too. And then later on this month, we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion program uh, that, oh, wow, there's, <laughs> there's so much happening in the month of March. Let's go back. Sorry. Give me February. Paul, give me February. Thank you. One more week in February. That's where we should have started. Visa's with us next time. So thank you to everyone. Uh, and we look forward to having Camelia Gendrow. She's going to be with us as well as uh, Visa Stacy Zolt-Hara. So we look forward to having you and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you to our guests. Thank you for the time. We'll see you Friday, February 25th. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.